Welcome to Squawk 5353, the Private Pilot Podcast, Episode 34. I'm your host, Izzy Simon, a private pilot sharing my tips and tricks to make the skies a safer place. In this week's episode, I'll be sharing with you ways to have a smooth landing every landing. Stay tuned for all this and more and Squawk 5353. Before we begin this week's episode, I'd like to encourage you to consider donating to my Patreon. For those of you who don't know, Patreon is a way for you to financially support the show. This show takes a lot of time each week to research, write, record, and edit. It would mean the world to me if you went over to my Patreon and donated to the show. A link to my Patreon can be found in the show notes. And now to today's main topic. Tips to improve your landings. When it comes to making smooth landings, I'm still no pro, yet there are some tips and tricks that I've learned along the way which I thought would be helpful to share with you so that you can improve your landings. My first tip would be to let the runway come to you. When you execute your round out and flare, the goal is to decrease your descent rate and bleed off airspeed. If you push the nose down towards the runway, the extra lift you had during the flare will be lost. This in turn will cause you to settle to the runway hard and may cause you to bounce back up into the air. When I'm in this round off and flare position, it's easy to think that I want to get the airplane to the ground as soon as possible. However, holding back on the controls and keeping the aircraft off the ground for as long as possible will then allow you to have a controlled descent to the runway surface with a low airspeed and a small foot per minute descent, making for a smooth landing. Another important tip is to use smooth control applications. Avoid being aggressive with the controls during the flare. If you pull back too hard on the control wheel, you can start climbing back into the air. And since you have a relatively slow airspeed during this part of the landing, you could stall the airplane onto the runway and touch down hard. Especially in more stable high-wing aircraft like a 172, the aircraft will return to a level position if it's affected by any sort of turbulence that you might experience on approach to final. Instead of trying to fight every little bump that you experience, let the airplane fly itself and only adjust if the aircraft has a tendency to go one way or the other or be too fast or too slow on your approach. My third tip would be to use your rudder. A crosswind approach and landing can be tricky to master, but being confident with rudder application is essential. To practice, perform a slide slip by lowering the upwind wing into the wind and maintain runway centerline. At the same time, apply just enough of the opposite rudder to line up the longitudinal axis of your airplane with the runway centerline. One memory I recall with crosswind landings comes from the day of my private pilot checkride. After completing my private pilot checkride, I had to fly from Clintonville back to Appleton, which is about a 15 minute flight. Clintonville is a non-towered airport and so I was able to choose my runway of choice for departure. However, upon approaching Appleton, they wanted me to enter a right base for runway 21. Now winds at the time were favoring runway 30 and were gusting up to about 20 knots. Due to the heavy traffic in the pattern, however, I figured it was best if I stayed on my plan for runway 21, which had barely any traffic on it at the time, but runway 30 was incredibly busy. I made my approach into runway 21, which at the time had a 13 knot crosswind. Now this was the strongest crosswind I had ever landed with, 
but because I was hyper-focused on the situation, I ended up making one of the softest landings of my entire piloting career, even with the winds as they were. The next tip is to transition your eyes down the runway. During your roundout, look three to four centerline stripes down the runway to get an accurate safe picture. If you focus too close in front of the aircraft during the roundout, you may flare too high. And if you focus too far down the runway, you may settle hard to the runway. This tip is the one that many pilots say is the key to a smooth landing. However, looking at it as simply three to four centerline strips down the runway does not always work for most pilots. When I first started flying and they said look down the runway, I'd either look all the way to the far threshold or I find myself focusing on only looking three to four centerline strips down the runway when in reality I should have been more focused about controlling the airplane and not stalling it above the runway. Transitioning your eyes down the runway is something that comes with practice as a pilot. You know what works for you, and now I don't have to make a conscious effort to look down the runway. I simply keep my eyes up and look outside, and my understanding of the aircraft and my relationship that I have with it helps me guide the airplane down to the ground to make a smooth landing. One tip that you hear about quite frequently, but yet never really find yourself using, is using less flaps on gusty days. Especially during the early stages of your private pilot training, you won't fly on incredibly windy or gusty days because you just need to get comfortable with the aircraft first. It's during this time in ground school where you learn that you should use less flaps on gusty days. That being said, however, you don't really get an understanding of this until you're in the airplane. When you're at low air speeds, your aircraft is more susceptible to being tossed around by the gusty winds. Use less flaps and a slightly faster approach speed by adding half the gust factor to your approach speed and you'll find that flying final approach and transitioning into your roundout and flare will be a lot smoother. My sixth tip, and arguably the most important to me, is maintaining the correct approach speed. If you're flying over the runway threshold 50 knots faster than your recommended approach speed, the chances that you'll float during your flare are very high. The same goes for a slow approach speed. The slower you are, the more susceptible you are to dangers associated with wind shear and stalling the aircraft above the runway. A good landing starts with a good approach. Whether you're approaching from the pattern or you're doing a five mile straight in, your approach is key to having a good landing. Part of this approach is maintaining airspeeds so that your aircraft is ready and able to land when you want it to. There have been numerous times in my flying career where I come in for the approach five to 10 knots higher than approach speed. When I go to round out and flare, I still am fast and I find myself floating down the runway for a good portion of the runway. Now, when you have 8,000 feet of runway ahead of you, it's never really a problem. However, when you're completing short field takeoff and landings, it's important that you're able to put down the aircraft where you want to so that you're able to stop in time. If your approach is unstable, you should always go around. There have definitely been times in my flying career where my approach has not been stable, yet I still am determined to put the airplane on the ground on my first attempt. Going around is not a signature of a bad pilot, but rather a safe pilot who knows their limitations and what their aircraft is capable of. Next, practice makes perfect. It's as simple as that. No landing will ever be perfect the first time. Practice landings whenever you can. Even on days when you think it's a bit too windy for your personal limits, ask an instructor to go up with you. It will not only improve your landing skills, but improve your confidence as well.
To date, I still have less than 100 hours, but more than 200 landings, averaging for about 3 landings per every hour in the air. Now I did land a lot more in my private pilot training, and as a transition to instrument, landing becomes less and less frequent. That being said, I still try and go up and practice my landings at least once a month to make sure that I am still confident in my ability to land the airplane, whether it be in a pattern approach or a non-standard approach to the airport. Now these next tips are a little bit more nitpicky. Avoid major power changes. If you're having to make a series of major power changes during legs of the pattern, you aren't flying a stabilized approach. Use known power settings for each leg of the pattern and make small corrections for a constant stable descent to landing. For me in a 172, that means about 21 to 2200 RPM while I'm on the downwind leg. As soon as I'm a beam the numbers, I pull the power back to 1500 RPM and drop flaps to 10. I leave the power at 1500 RPM all the way until I'm over the runway threshold and I pull the power back to idle. I alter my speed by pitching the airplane up and down, and I continue to increase flaps as I fly different legs of the pattern. If you have a constant power setting, that's one less thing you have to worry about while you're on your final approach, which is a critical phase of flight. Next up, you should make sure you know where your wind is coming from. Wind corrections are important in every leg of the pattern. One of the most common pattern errors is overshooting your final, which happens for several reasons, the first of which is wind. If you have a tailwind on base, you'll have a high ground speed on base. The higher your ground speed, the earlier you need to start your turn to roll out perfectly on centerline. This next tip brings you back all the way back to your first few flights as a student pilot. The spot you're aiming for shouldn't change its position on the windscreen. If you're stabilized, your sight picture and aiming point will be glued to one spot on your windscreen for the entire approach on final. As you become more and more comfortable in the aircraft, you tend to use sight pictures less and less because you simply have a feel for what straight and level or steep turns feels like. However, utilizing sight pictures while you're on your approach to final is a beneficial way to make sure that you have a stabilized approach and a smooth landing. Finally, use what tools are given to you. Whether it be a checklist provided in your airplane to help you remember V-speeds and procedures for landing, or the Vassy or Pappy lights guiding you down to the runway on a stabilized 3 degree slope, these tools are here to help you as the pilot. Use them to make sure that your landing is as smooth as possible. Slowly, with practice and using some of the tips mentioned in this podcast, as well as a variety of other things, your landings will slowly become better. It's totally normal for your skills to get better and worse over time. Some days your landings might be perfect, and you come back to the airport the next day, and your landings are as if you are a student pilot flying for your first time. As the aviation saying goes, a good pilot is always learning. for listening to this week's episode of Squawk 5353. If you enjoyed this week's episode, make sure to check out last week's episode on EAA AirVenture and August Aviation News. As I mentioned in the beginning of this podcast, it would mean the world to me if you went over to my Patreon and donated to the show. A link to my Patreon can be found in the show notes. Also in the show notes is a link to all the resources used in today's episode. If you enjoyed this week's episode, make sure to share it with a friend and subscribe to the podcast so that new episodes are automatically downloaded to your device. 
If you have any questions, feel free to email me. My email also can be found in the show notes. And follow me on Instagram at squawk5353. Again, thank you for listening to this week's episode of Squawk 5353. I'm your host, Izzy Simon, and let's make the skies a safer place.